Jackson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We talked a lot of UWL sports yesterday. A couple of huge basketball wins. A big football announcement yesterday afternoon. And it's hilarious because almost trying to not be outdone, UWL Wrestling did something pretty incredible in Mitchell Hall last night. And we're not going to talk about it uh, a ton. Really cool environment. Really cool meet last night. They took down uh, UW Whitewater, who's nationally ranked. And it's funny because you ask wrestlers, UWL is the best in the conference, and Whitewater's number two. Nonetheless, Whitewater ranked last night a couple of big wins uh, from Grant Zayman, Logan Schlue, and then the walk-off winner was Jackson Shane. They were doing it all last night. Without Adam Gusky, they're All-American, or excuse me, Sawyer Massey, they're All-American. They did it without Adam Gusky. And Jackson Shane, in the final match of the night in a packed field house at Mitchell Hall last night, uh, earned his win by decision 6-0. And that put them over the top. The closest thing you can get to a walk-off win in wrestling, I believe, they won 22-21 over UW-Whitewater. So I know Scott Van Pelt uh, likes to do that thing. What is it? The best thing I saw today. Well, it was last night, but since we have last talked, the best thing that I saw was uh, was UWL wrestling. And, and I do, uh, I actually live with two wrestlers, so they were giving me a full <laughs> a full blow-by-blow. They were giving me a recap. This morning, pretty cool. So UWL sports have had a tremendous week. And we actually, we haven't had an opportunity to talk Green Bay Packer football. We haven't had an opportunity to talk about the upcoming championship games. And because it's Friday and we won't have an opportunity again, uh, let's do it. There's some interesting storylines. I think we do have to talk some football. Are you ready for some football? Yes, Grady would want us to talk football. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk the championship games upcoming this weekend. And this is the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, and I know that you don't care, and I know that you don't want to hear me drone on and on about why I think the Saints will win or why I think the Patriots will win and why I would bet that nobody nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares what I have to say about who's going to win the Saints game or who's going to win the Patriots game or vice versa. What I do want to get into and what I think you will find interesting is how do these games affect the Green Bay Packers? And on paper, they, they don't, right? The, the Packers have been eliminated. And by extension, the Vikings and the Bears, we have uh, fans of all sorts of teams around this area. It's a, it's a pretty cool uh, situation we are in on the border. Directly, these games don't affect the Packers or the Vikings or the Bears at all. But legacy-wise, perspective-wise, and I guess the Packers draft is impacted as well. I, I think there are a lot of factors and a, and a lot of things that could affect the way that the Green Bay Packers look. So, for example, if the Saints win, how will that impact the Packers? How will that uh, impact Aaron Rodgers. What about the Patriots? What about the Rams? And, and I want to actually dig into all of these possibilities because we do have some championship games. Unfortunately, the Packers are not in any of those championship games. But I, but I do think that the Packers, even though they are sitting idle this weekend, are impacted and affected in one way or another uh, by any of these outcomes. So I, I, I thought long and hard today. You could probably smell smoke if you were driving around my house because I was doing some deep thinking. And, and I, I came up with some interesting stuff and I want to share that with you. Uh, if you have thoughts... Or opinions, and I'm sure we all do. That's why we're here. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can give me a call. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard. I hope you're having a good evening. I'm excited for the weekend. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're also going to talk about a couple of Packers announcements coming up later on in the show. Now, obviously, they have their coordinators. They have their head coach. So the rest 
to this point is is more minor details, but they have named a couple of assistant coaches. So the staff starting to fill itself in, starting to become rounded and all those positions no longer sitting empty. So I'll, I'll pass the, that news along. And then we got to look now that the, the coaching staff by and large is filled up. What are the biggest priorities for the Packers this offseason? I want to talk about that a little bit. And, and that's obviously an ongoing discussion. As we approach the draft, we'll talk about that in more specificity. We'll talk about free agency as that gets closer uh, with more specificity. But right now, big picture, by and large, now that the coaching staff, for the most part, has figured out what's most important to the Packers in these upcoming months uh, before they start on their 2018, or excuse me, 2019 season. You think getting the year right would be the easiest part of all of this, but apparently I'm having issues. Uh, some cool news regarding the championship games as well, and and we know this is uh, this is Jimmy Buffett. This is a parrot head show here on the Wisco Sports Show, so kind of a cool footnote that I want to share with you as well today. We got a lot going on. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here, uh, and thank you for joining me as well. The matchups for the championship games both on Sunday, and you can hear them both here on WKTY. The Rams and the Saints at 2.05. When we get in the playoffs, they they have to adjust the times. And I actually kind of like this. There's not an early game, and there's not a late game. They both kind of sit right in the middle, which makes it easy. 2.05 for the Rams and the Saints. You can hear that on WKTY. As you can hear the Patriots and the Chiefs at 5.40. So we're not going to be rushing home from church. We're not going to be staying up late and losing sleep. It's, it's kind of right in the middle. It's, it's going to be a nice schedule on Sunday. I'm, I'm excited and intrigued by both of these games. We'll get into the AFC coming up in the next segment in a couple of minutes. I, I'm going to Tell Packers fans, and I'm going to suggest that Packers fans cheer for the Rams this upcoming weekend. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the easiest cut and dry reason to cheer for the Saints is you want the better draft pick. The earlier the Saints lose, although at this point, it's not going to make a huge difference. We're talking basically 28 through 32. Uh, But a couple of picks never hurt anybody. Uh, Packers have the Saints pick. Now, if the Saints lose, they are going to get that Saints pick. Uh, earlier rather than later. So that's one reason, and that's probably a cop-out reason to cheer for the Saint, or cheer for the Rams. The other reason isn't Packers-wise, but it's Aaron Rodgers. And as, as Packer fans have watched Aaron Rodgers now for the better part of a decade, a little more than a decade on this team, as a starter at least, Aaron Rodgers winning games, doing things that I, I've never seen in my lifetime from another quarterback. But the Super Bowls and the playoff wins at times have been lacking. Now, he's gotten close. He's been to three NFC Championship games, one and been to one Super Bowl, got very close in another time, but has not had the sustained playoff success of, say, Tom Brady. Quite frankly, nobody has had the sustained, consistent success that Tom Brady has had, but Aaron Rodgers in the past couple of years has, has missed the playoffs, you know, injuries, whatever, and in this year, I think a lot of things just came to a head. I, I would not specifically cheer against the Saints, but cheer against Drew Brees, and it's not because I don't like Drew Brees, I do, but when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, and it's it's very interesting, and I think it speaks volumes, that Aaron Rodgers is considered in that greatest of all time conversation with Tom Brady, because the Super Bowl discrepancy is major, right? Tom Brady with five, Aaron Rodgers with only one, and I think it speaks volumes that it's still a conversation. Now, Aaron Rodgers sits at one Super Bowl, as does Drew Brees, as does guys like Russell Wilson and and, and Joe Flacco's 1-1. And my point is, any quarterback can get hot on the right year. Nick Foles is a great example. Any quarterback can get hot and be on a great team and in a great situation and make a run and win one Super Bowl. And when I say anybody, you obviously know what I mean. I don't think that uh, Nate Peterman could get hot and win a Super Bowl, but... 60% of the league's quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo. Heck, I think Kirk Cousins in the right situation could get hot and win a Super Bowl. Now, doing it again, that's a different conversation. 
And that's why I think Aaron Rodgers just winning that second Super Bowl. I think when they won in 2010, all of us Packers fans had these wild aspirations of Aaron Rodgers. Can he get to three? Can he get to four? Can he at least get close to Brady? And that conversation has kind of changed over the course of the last decade. Aaron Rodgers needs number two. He needs number two to separate himself from the pack from the likes of Joe Flacco and Russell Wilson, guys who have found themselves in great situations, got hot, and put together a great stretch of football. Now, if Matt Ryan would have won a couple of years ago, you could you could put him in that same category. Had an MVP year, played better than everyone for one stretch, was in the perfect situation, got hot, and, and won. Now, obviously, Matt Ryan fell a little bit short for a lot of reasons, but Aaron Rodgers needs that second ring to separate himself from that group. And I think if Drew Brees goes and gets that second ring, this conversation of current NFL quarterbacks and who is the best is, is going to get really cloudy because now all of a sudden, Drew Brees is setting all these records. And I, Drew Brees is a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's probably going to be one of the best that I ever see in my lifetime. But Drew Brees, I, I don't think, is as gifted as Aaron Rodgers. You watch Drew Brees and you watch Aaron Rodgers, they, they look different. Aaron Rodgers makes throws that I've never seen before. And he does those throws from positions and, and from footing that just doesn't make sense. He should not be able to throw the ball the way that he does. And I think Drew Brees has found himself a match made in heaven in New Orleans. Now, I'm not calling him a system quarterback at all. It's not what I'm doing, but I'm saying Drew Brees has had a lot supplied for him in his career. I think him and Sean Payton work perfectly. He's had years where they've had great defenses. In 2008, when they won, they had a great defense. They play with great home field advantage down in New Orleans. And that all, Drew Brees, because of his longevity, and because their offense has always been good, he's set a lot of records, passing yards and then touchdowns, all of that. He's going to be at the top of this conversation right alongside Aaron Rodgers. But if Drew Brees wins a second Super Bowl, it's going to get a whole lot more complicated. It's going to get a whole lot more complicated. It's not going to be Rodgers or Brady. It's going to be Brady, Brees, Rodgers. It's going to be a lot more cloudy. So if you're worried about Aaron Rodgers' legacy, which I'm sure all Packers fans are, because what else do we have to worry about at this point? The Packers aren't even in the playoffs this year. Cheering against Drew Brees might be the best thing for Aaron Rodgers. Now, for the Packers, it makes sense as well because you worry about that draft pick. 28 or 29 is a lot better than 32 should the Saints go all the way. Now, obviously, we're talking semantics and details here because the difference is only three or four games. But nonetheless, a pick is a pick and you want every spot that you can get. I would pressure Packers fans that if you have to cheer for and cheer against somebody this weekend to cheer against the Saints. Isn't that just wrong? It's not Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees. It's not that I hate Drew Brees, but I think it's best for Aaron Rodgers, his legacy, his perspective, and the way people perceive him. And it's better for the Packers with the draft pick as well. Now, I want to talk about all of these different situations because I think there's something interesting about every one of these situations, whether the Chiefs win, the Rams win, the Patriots win, or the Saints win. They all impact the perspective and the landscape of the NFL in a different way. And that naturally affects the Packers. So I want to continue talking about that. We will talk specifics about the Packers coming up. They made a couple of hires, uh, a couple adjustments to their coaching staff. That'll be on the way at 530. So we're going to get specific. We're going to talk Packers for the first time here in a couple of days. A lot of Brewers, a lot of Bucks talk, a lot of local talk as well. And it's been fun, but we got to get back to the green and gold. So that coming up in a few minutes, a lot more of the Wisco Sports Show to come. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. More to come here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Come on out to Features tomorrow. I'm going to be there for a little while. I know there's some uh, some listeners that I want to meet and have a chance to say hello. And by the way, 
if you want to talk to Scrady, now's your chance. He does not do the public. He does not do social interaction very often. So get him while he's available. Tomorrow, 4 to 6, it features Come and Say Hello. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're on WKTY. We're covering all sorts of things today. We had a lot of UWL talk this week, and, and as impressive as the, the men and the women's basketball teams are right now, and, and Isaac Frichty is going to be the new OC for the football program, I, I started the show today by saying UWL Wrestling got the job done and walked it off last night against uh, UW Whitewater and Mitchell Hall, and that place is packed. That was a cool atmosphere uh, and, and a pretty cool set of circumstances and a pretty cool win for uh, yet another uh, program in this UWL uh, athletics uh, world. I guess another another program doing really cool things this week. So really blessed with some great local athletics. Unfortunately, or I guess uh, on a whole nother vein, we've been talking about the NFC and AFC championship games, just about as big as you can get compared to local sports. And, and the games are this weekend, none of which are impacting the Packers or the Vikings or the Bears or any other team that you cheer for around this area, at least the Rams and the Saints at 205 and the Patriots at the Chiefs at 540. I think it's fascinating. I was thinking today, and maybe you're thinking about these games as well, 608-796-2558. And I'm a Packer fan, first and foremost. So my first thought in watching any game that does not include the Packers, especially games out of the division, is how do these games affect Green Bay? Or maybe, most importantly, how do these games and these quarterback performances affect Aaron Rodgers? And I was thinking about this today. I, I think there's a very different piece of perspective and a different look depending on one of these four teams winning the Super Bowl. I think any one of these four teams provides a change of landscape and a change of thought on how the NFL is going to operate and how teams are going to try to pursue uh, Super Bowl victories in the next couple of years. I, let's start with Brady and the Patriots. I, when talking about Aaron Rodgers and talking about the Packers, uh, we were starting earlier. The, the discrepancy between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is massive in terms of playoff wins and in Super Bowls. Brady obviously with five, looking to make it six this year. Rodgers with only one, and I think it speaks volumes that Aaron Rodgers is even considered in the same conversation as Tom Brady in terms of the greatest quarterback of all time. And, and it's funny, the Super Bowl discrepancy currently sits at four. And there are still some people like myself who, who consider Aaron Rodgers the better quarterback. I don't think another Super Bowl all of the sudden makes people think, all right, well, now Tom Brady is the undisputed GOAT. It's already five to one. I don't think one more separates or changes the conversation between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. The conversation between the two has always been Aaron Rodgers might be the most gifted quarterback ever. He does things when you watch him that just shouldn't happen. He throws from platforms that shouldn't work. He throws with arm angles and, and on the move. It shouldn't work. I mean, you watch him and you understand what the hype is all about. With Tom Brady, it's always been consistency, longevity, winning at an unprecedented weight, taking advantage of your low class and, and, for the most part, just brutal division to get those high seeds, to get that home field advantage in that first round by and just continue to push for AFC Championship games and Super Bowls every single year. I don't think one more Super Bowl for Tom Brady really changes the conversation between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady because it's already so... The divide is already so massive. Five to one is big enough... Six to one, what's the difference? I, I think if Tom Brady does win another Super Bowl, it doesn't really affect Aaron Rodgers' legacy. Now, that being said, we talked a little bit about the Saints and Drew Brees, and I want to get back to that. The Rams winning a Super Bowl this year might change something. It might change the conversation in the landscape of the NFL a little bit because we all know that we talked about this weeks ago. The six highest paid quarterbacks all missed the postseason this year. And, and my take was, it. look, it's a little bit of coincidence. I don't expect that to be the case next year. 
I think this cycle of quarterback pay, the quarterbacks who were up to get paid most recently were Matt Stafford, Jimmy G, who blew out his leg, Derek Carr, and Kirk Cousins. I don't think any of them are worthy of the money that they they got, or should I say worthy of the cap space that they are taking up and the payroll that they are hogging on their respective teams. Aaron Rodgers, now I believe he is. If a guy like Drew Brees comes up, he is worth that money. Russell Wilson, I believe, is worth that money. And next year or the year after, a different cycle will come around and a different batch of quarterbacks will become the highest paid. And I don't think we'll see this trend again in terms of high-paid quarterbacks missing the playoffs. But there is something to be taken away if Jared Goff and the Rams are actually able to win the Super Bowl because the trend and the landscape will now switch to you want a young quarterback or one who's willing to not be paid very much and you want to go hog wild in free agency. A lot of people have been talking about this trend of having a quarterback on a rookie deal and then building the team around him. Well, in terms of going hog wild with free agency, we've never really seen it the last handful of years like we have seen it with the Rams. I understand the Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson. But let's not pretend that they brought in Russell Wilson and said, all right, now that we have Wilson on the rookie deal, we're going to go hog wild. No, they, they were simply allowed to keep guys like Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. They were simply allowed to keep those guys longer than would have been possible had they had a high-priced quarterback. They didn't go out and go hog wild and get this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy because they knew they had the flexibility. They simply were able to maintain the excellent team they already had. In terms of the Bears, yeah, they they traded for and signed Khalil Mack to that big deal, but that's something the Packers would have been able to do. That's something the Steelers or, or the Saints would have been able to do. The, the Bears definitely did have the flexibility. They did sign a... a I, I'm, I'm sorry for not knowing. The, one of the two, I believe Alan Hearns went to the Cowboys... And uh, Robinson went to the Bears. If I have those mixed up, I'm sorry. But they were able to sign that higher tier uh, free agent wide receiver. But they didn't go hog wild in free agency. They simply added a couple pieces. The, the Rams, now they went wild. They opened up the checkbook and handed out paydays to everyone and anyone. They, brought, they completely paid for a new secondary with Marcus Peters uh, through a trade. And a guy like Sam Shields, who they were able to take a flyer on because they had that extra money. And then, of course, Aqib Tlaib. They also went out and got uh, Nadamakin Sue to a big contract. And they were able to trade for Fowler. They were even willing to trade for Khalil Mack and then turn around and trade him again. I mean, they brought in a guy like Brandon Cooks and their left tackle, whose name I can never remember. I want to say Havenstein, but I know that's not it. Whitworth. Thank you. I don't have a producer in here. I <laughs> Nobody whispered that to me. I just remembered it. They went out and signed a bunch of people. Not a couple. Not a piece here or there, but secondary players and pass rushers and linemen and receivers. And they were able to pay Todd Gurley. They went hog wild. The Rams are one instance of a team 100% taking all their chips and pushing them to the middle of the table because they know this rookie contract window with Jared Goff is only so long now with him in his third year. They are the one example. And if they win the Super Bowl this year, people are going to take a good long look and say, do we want to allocate 13 to 15% of our cap space to a quarterback? Because look what the Rams did. They were able to build a lot more of a well-rounded roster. But they did so in a way that some people might not be quick to do. I mean, they brought in a lot of big personalities, guys who have bounced around. That doesn't always work. The chemistry isn't always there. Now, it has been to this point for the Rams. We'll see if they can keep that up. But if they do win and prove that you can bring in a bunch of... Uh, Kind of a an island of misfit toys, so to speak. Guys who haven't worked elsewhere. Sam Shields coming back from a head injury. They took a flyer on him. Nadama Kinsu has bounced around and, and hasn't exactly had success recently. 
been kind of a head case. They went in. They went all in. And if they're able to win the Super Bowl, teams are going to take a good long look at that strategy and think maybe the days of the Aaron Rodgers and the Drew Brees and the high-priced quarterbacks are gone. And maybe this is the way to do it until the next CBA changes things. The Rams Rams winning the Super Bowl would be would definitely be a bad look for teams like the Packers and be a better look for teams like the Bears who were on their first quarterback contract. Mahomes and the Chiefs, if they were to win the Super Bowl, I, I don't know if it changes a whole lot other than perspective and other than optics by just saying the old guard is on its way out. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees on their way out. Tom Brady, if Mahomes beats him on his way out. Ben Roethlisberger on his way out. And the shifting of the guard, the changing of the guard to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck. We are ushering in this next batch of elite quarterbacks and we're looking to kind of shoo the rest out the door. If Patrick Mahomes is able to win a Super Bowl and the Chiefs are able to win the Super Bowl, I think it changes the way, not physically changing the way teams are going to approach things or changing the way that teams and general managers construct their roster, but it's going to change the optics and the perception. Or the, the perception. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they're on their way out. The league is changing, and Luck, Mahomes, Watson, Wentz, they're taking over. That's the look that I think you get if Mahomes and the Chiefs are able to win the Super Bowl. And as we talked about earlier, Breeze and the Saints might be the most intriguing. Because if Breeze wins, now he's all of a sudden got two Super Bowls to Aaron Rodgers' one. Anyone can win one. I said that earlier. With a few exceptions. Like, Nate Peterman obviously isn't going to win a a Super Bowl. But Joe Flacco won one. Russell Wilson did. Drew Breeze has won one. Eli won two. If you find yourself in the right situation, on the right team, in the right year, you can get hot and go on a run. That's what Joe Flacco did. That's what Matt Ryan almost did a couple of years ago. We'd have another great example if the Falcons were able to to actually pull that off and they didn't blow it against the Patriots. Anybody can win one. Winning two is a different story. You might not have that same hunger, that same drive, and you're probably going to be getting paid a little bit more. It's harder to do the second time. And I think that's a bad look for Rodgers and a great look for Breeze, and that helps scoot him up the ladder. I don't know if it puts it, him above Rodgers, but it certainly makes that conversation a whole lot more interesting. And if the Saints and Sean Payton are able to win another Super Bowl, I think it's a bad look for the Packers because the Saints showed, well, first of all, the Packers chose Mike McCarthy over Sean Payton. And I'm not saying that was the incorrect choice. If you're telling me before I hire a coach that you're going to get a Super Bowl out of that coach, I don't care what else happens. I, I want that. And, and I'm not saying it was the wrong move to take McCarthy over Sean Payton. But it is going to show that the Saints were able to withstand some leaner years after early success, after that early Super Bowl in 2008, 2009, I guess, technically, the 2008 season. They were able to do that, get hot and win one like we've seen teams do like the Ravens, like the Packers. And a lot of teams have won one. A lot of head coach quarterback combinations have won one. They were able to withstand some lean years, some nine and seven years, a couple of rebuilding years through the draft to come back, reinvent themselves, adjust, react and go do it again. And that's not something that Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and the Packers were able to do. They've had to now rebuild on the fly and change their guard, change their staff, and change their approach. The Saints were able to do it twice and withstand some nine and seven years. And Sean Payton was able to reinvent himself. I think it's a great look for Sean Payton, and I think it makes Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers paler in comparison. There's a lot at stake this weekend for the Packers and, of course, the Saints draft pick as well. I mean, it's we're talking semantics 28 through 32, but a lot at play. Most of it optics, most of it perspective the landscape of how the NFL looks and how the Packers obviously fit in with that. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to be entertained by and, and to think about this weekend as the championship games go down. Once again, you can hear them both on WK2I, the Rams and the Saints at 205 and the Patriots and the Chiefs at 540. We haven't got to talk a lot of specifics about the Packers. We've talked about the NFL as a whole and 
and, and what's going on and how that might affect the Packers. But they did make some hires today. That coaching staff continues to to now, I want to say, it's it's rounding out nicely. They, they have some more hires, and I'll pass that word along. And, and maybe what the Packers can look to do next. We'll talk about the draft more specifically and free agency more specifically when the time comes. But big picture, what's the Packers' next next step? What's their number one priority is this offseason now kind of just gets rolling because it, it's not an offseason when you're hiring a new coach. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, a lot going on. Now it's going to be quiet for a while. What's their biggest priority? What should be in the back of the minds of Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, Russ Ball, the rest of that staff, and of course, Matt LaFleur and the staff that he continues to assemble? We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Don't go anymore. More to come on WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Stream us live if you would like to do so at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Another reminder, get out to features tomorrow. Want to meet some listeners, want to have a good time. And Scrady's in public. It's just always a, it's an entertaining time. Come check it out. The Packers are making some moves, not huge moves, but they're continuing to fill out the rest of their staff. Uh, so they've hired a couple of people today to... Uh, kind of assistant coaching roles, uh, position group roles, if you will. So the first one that was announced was about an hour ago. Uh, the Packers have hired Washington, Washington's linebacker coach, former linebacker coach now. And this is a tough name, so bear with me. Um, <clears throat> Kirk Olivadotti? Olivadotti? That's what I'm going with? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Kirk Olivadotti, he's going to be the linebacker's coach for Mike Pettin, so replacing Winston Moss kind of in that vein. Uh, earlier, it was announced that the Packers are also hiring Adam Stenovich as their offensive line coach. He worked as an assistant offensive line coach in San Fran last year. So part of that Shanahan staff last year, and I think Matt LaFleur probably wanted some people who came up through the same system, worked under the same people as him to round out his coaching staff. But then again, a coach from Washington as well. Nathaniel Hackett had no previous experience with Matt LaFleur. He came from Jacksonville. So I think as you start to look at this coaching staff as a whole, now that it's beginning to be a little bit more well-rounded and you don't have as many holes, we look at it and, and we talked about how I think diversity is a good thing. Everybody wants a, a piece of the McVeigh tree, even though it's it's too young to be a tree, or the Kyle Shanahan tree. All, all of those people came off of the Shanahan tree, and I mean Mike Shanahan, not Kyle Shanahan. It's going to be years for me until McVeigh has an actual coaching tree. But everybody wants a piece of these young offensive minds, and, and that's great. The Packers seem to follow in that trend by hiring Matt LaFleur. But I, I think when you're putting a staff together, you want a little bit of everything. You don't want everybody who thinks the same way, who approaches things the same way, talks in the same nomenclature and, and has the same attitude on everything. Because I think that's what ended up happening at the end with Mike McCarthy. You're you're in a place for so long and you're working with the same assistants for so long. I mean, even last year, they let go of Alex Van Pelt and they bring in Tony Signetti Jr., who, who wasn't setting the world on fire in New York, he, I mean, Eli Manning had two of his worst years ever under Signetti, and he brings him in because he's an old buddy. And I don't want to, I don't want to downplay Signetti's football acumen or anything like that. But he, he was connected with Mike McCarthy. He brings him in, and it's just a lot of groupthink, a lot of people thinking the same way and approaching things the same way. And some of that is good. You want some like minds on a coaching staff, and I think you see that here as the Packers and Matt Lafleur, more specifically, hires Adam Stenovich off San Francisco and off of. Uh, Shanahan's tree, somebody that he's worked with and been around and, and I think has some like thinking, but you also want some diversity. You want a guy like Nathaniel Hackett who's done different things, really high on the running game and likes uh, being really high energy, sometimes to a fault. 
You want different mentalities and different personalities on your coaching staff. We use the analogy, and I still think it works really well, of a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, at a big family gathering for Thanksgiving, everybody brings something different. Maybe, and I made this joke, and Aunt Melinda's not listening, but he's a great cook. But let's just say that I don't really like the way that Aunt Melinda cooks. She makes food too spicy. Well, I can still eat some of my Grandma Pat's turkey. I can still eat some of my mom's mashed potatoes. I, I can eat a little bit of everything. And maybe if me and Aunt Melinda's cooking don't get along too well, I, I can just avoid that. And it's the same thing with the coaching staff, right? You have a couple of different cooks in the kitchen all working on different uh, parts of the meal. The offensive line, the wide receiving core, the running backs, the quarterbacks, and then, of course, the one who oversees it all in the head coach. You want some differences in approach and some differences in thinking. Otherwise, everything tastes the same. And complacency and staleness sets in, and I think that's what happened under McCarthy. So Adam Stenovich has worked with Lafleur, and I think is from that same vein. And um, Kirk Olivadotti, not so much. Came from Washington. You get some some difference is an approach. Uh, and now that this head coaching search, uh, or not head coaching search, but this coaching staff is beginning to be filled out just a little bit more. I think we have to ask the question. Now that the coach, the head coach has been found and he's found some of his biggest assistants and Mike Pettin has been retained and now we have an offensive coordinator, what's next? Obviously, the draft comes up in April and free agency as well. And we'll know more about both of those events as they get closer, for lack of a better term. And we, we can talk about more specifics. Mock drafts will get more specific and, and we'll start to narrow down maybe who the Packers are eyeing in the draft and maybe eyeing in free agency. But now that we, we kind of sit at a distance and, and those things have yet to be approached, what are the Packers looking to do? What is their biggest priority, I should say? Because, because there's a couple things to be done every offseason. And by the way, please join in 608-796-2558 on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. You can do it on Twitter as well, at WKTY. You can tweet me, at Keystroker Grant, too. There's a couple of things every offseason that needs to be done by every team. First of all, either you are rebuilding or adjusting your coaching staff. Maybe there's some turnover. Some coaches get a promotion, they need to get replaced, or some coaches you're fired and you need to be replaced, or in the case of the Green Bay Packers this year, it's a complete and total overhaul uh, from the top down. Now that that is kind of done, you look into a, a couple different veins of team improvement through free agency, through the draft, and then I would say as well, player development and retaining your own free agents. Because the Packers team, if they didn't draft a single player, if they didn't go after a single player in free agency, it would look different next year. You're hoping that guys like Kevin King and Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson all make a step in the right direction and those players get better. And Kenny Clark continues to improve. And Geronimo Allison now is going to be healthy. So just through player development, through the offseason, the team is going to improve, you hope. Because that's the job of uh, particular players or coaches on that staff to develop and continue to improve some of those younger players and retaining your own free agents as well. That's a part of it. If they want to re-sign Randall Cobb or re-sign Clay Matthews, you're not going outside the building to do that, so to speak, but it's still a way of improving your team. And then you have, like I said, free agency in the draft. What specifically are the Packers going to have to implement or use, for lack of a better term, to improve their team? Because all of these things are tools in the toolbox. Free agency is a tool. The draft is a tool. Now, if you're building a house, you can't just use one tool, and I think that was the fault of Ted Thompson for a long time. Sometimes you need a nail gun. A hammer is just, you just you're not getting it done with a hammer. It takes too long. You're bending nails. You're beating up the wood. Sometimes a nail gun is better. Not all the time. There's certain situations to use different tools, much like in the off-season toolbox. You have free agency. You have the draft, and you need to use both in the right circumstance some positions you're willing to maybe rely on a rookie or 
willing to plan for the future through the draft. Some areas of need you need to address immediately, and maybe free agency is the best way to do that. The Packers have some needs. On offense, I think you need to address the offensive line. You like your center. I think you like your guards, and you love your left tackle, but that right side, specifically the guard and the tackle, need to be improved. And if nothing else, you need more depth because Jason Spriggs hasn't turned out to be uh, what you thought he would be. J.C. Treader obviously is gone. Don Barclay, who is the Swiss Army knife for this team, is long gone. This offensive line doesn't have a lot of depth. You need to find your right tackle. You need to find your right guard. That's one need. I think the receiving core needs to be addressed. You love Devontae Adams. You love Geronimo Allison, assuming they bring him back, which I imagine they will. Uh, they still own his rights. But but what passed that? You liked what you saw in flashes from some of your wide receivers, but I don't know if you'd feel comfortable with Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and then the three rookies. And Jake Kumaro. You need, you need a little bit of depth. I would love a, a more experienced free agent to be brought in and kind of solidify that group. Tight ends, who knows what they do? They could cut Jimmy Graham. I don't imagine they will. I don't think it would be the right decision to. But you like Jimmy Graham. Maybe they bring Mercedes Lewis back. I mean, it's, it's a group that needs to be tweaked. There's tweaks to be made on the offensive side of the ball. Not to mention, I wouldn't mind a veteran running back to, to round out that group of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, especially with the injury problem that Jones has had. The offense is looking a little bit better than the defense. The defense just needs linebackers. They need playmakers at the linebacker level. They need an entirely new safety core. You like your cornerbacks, but if Kevin King is all of a sudden hurt, you have to ask, are you comfortable with Jair Alexander? Are you comfortable with Josh Jackson? Because once Kevin King gets hurt, everybody's elevated a spot. Football isn't played in a vacuum. It's not a perfect world. People are going to get hurt. So at every position group, what I like to do is say, okay, if your best player gets hurt, where do you stand? Are you comfortable with that? If not, maybe you need a little bit of depth. You got to find a pass rush from the outside. I don't think Nick Perry is that guy, and I don't think Clay Matthews is coming back. So who's going to replace him? And if they cut Nick Perry in a stunner move, who's going to replace him? There's a lot of needs and a lot of places that need to be addressed. And across the board, I think you just need to be a deeper, stronger team in the reserves. Where do you use the tool that is the draft? Where do you use the tool that is free agency? Because you can't rely on one tool to fix every problem. You can't rely to solve every problem with the draft. You can't hope that free agency is going to hit with every player that you bring in and your team is always going to be better through free agency because that's not how it works. You need to use both of them in conjunction while still relying on player development. You're still relying on a guy like Josh Jackson to improve or Jair Alexander to become more consistent and then retaining your own free agents as well like Geronimo Allison who's set to be a restricted free agent. Or maybe the Packers like what they have in Randall Cobb and he's available at a price that they like. They'll retain their own free agent. That's another way of improving the team as well. All three different tools, free agency, draft, and player development. Packers got to hit in all three. They do have to hit in all three. I do think the Packers could contend next year. I do, especially if they stay healthy and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers get off to a good start. But they need to hit in some area with each of these tools. They probably need to hit a home run on a free agent, high level or or not. I think the Bucs proved that you don't need to blow a million dollars on a free agent. Brooke Lopez has been one of the best offseason acquisitions of any team, and he's signed for a couple million on a mid-level exception. It doesn't need to be a blockbuster, but you probably need to address some problems in free agency. You definitely need to hit on some draft picks. You have two in the first round, and you definitely need to keep improving guys like Kevin King and Jair Alexander and Geronimo Allison and Aaron Jones. How are the Packers going to approach this? Because now that we're done, for the most part, talking about the coaching staff, this is the next step towards next season. And I think all three of those tools that we mentioned, free agency, the draft, and player development, all three are going to be need to be used. Packers need to use them in the right spot, at the right price, at the right time. All these things need to fall into place. And I do think it's possible, but it's a conversation we're going to continue to have throughout the rest of the offseason here on the Wisco Sports Show. 
It's Friday. I'm having a good time. I'm excited for the weekend. And uh, I saw a news story earlier this week uh, that I loved. I retweeted it on my Twitter account, at Keystroker Grant. And I tweeted out the teaser for the show at WKTY uh, at about 4.30. So maybe you've seen it. Maybe not. I'm jacked for the Saints game this weekend. Uh, Not only to cheer against the Saints for the reasons that we previously discussed, but for some of the pregame festivities. This is a Jimmy Buffett show. This is a parrot head station. Why? Because because I say so. (laughs) Jimmy Buffett's going to be involved uh, in the Saints pregame festivities on Sunday. And for those of you parrot heads out there, we got to have some. Sports radio and Jimmy Buffett go hand in hand, I think. So we're going to talk about that. Kind of a fun topic. And it's going to be a fun time as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Hope you're having a good night. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Grant Bills. And by the way, I'm excited that we have snow because it is January. I think we should have snow. But if you're not a big snow person, just just listen to some Jimmy Buffett. It all gets better. And I do want to talk a little bit about Jimmy Buffett. Uh, The Saints are taking on the Rams on Sunday. You can hear it on WKTY, 2.05 kickoff. And singing the national anthem will be none other. Then Jimmy Buffett, one of the biggest Saints fans out there. Uh, And this is, look, I have declared this a Jimmy Buffett show. We are all parrot heads here because I said so. That's how it works. Um, And and I I love Jimmy Buffett's music. I always had, I think, sports radio and Jimmy Buffett go hand in hand. And he's going to be singing the national anthem for the Saints this weekend. I'm going to cheer against the Saints, as we talked about earlier, because I think it's better for the Packers. I think it's better for Aaron Rodgers. That being said... I wouldn't bet against the Saints in a million years if Jimmy Buffett's going to be singing the national anthem. He announced this uh, on the 17th, so that would have been uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago. He officially tweeted it out, and I'm I'm all about it. I it's funny. I didn't know this. I actually had to do a little bit of reading, and I felt like a like a bad Jimmy Buffett fan, a bad parrot head, because I didn't know any of this. Jimmy Buffett's been a Saints fan for a long time. We all know that, uh, or at least if you're a Jimmy Buffett fan, you know that. And he's always at the Saints games, but. There's a little bit more to this story. Buffett sang the National Anthem for the Saints back in 2006. He did it again during their Super Bowl run. So maybe he's a bit of a good luck charm for the Saints. But he was at the first Saints game in 1967. He's actually been friends with Sean Payton for most of his life. He's obviously a little bit older than Sean Payton. But the two have attended the Super Bowl together, performed on stage back in 2012. I saw this video earlier today. They're playing in New Orleans. Jimmy Buffett is obviously the headliner. Nobody's buying tickets to see Sean Payton, but Sean Payton coming up on stage and playing the bongos as well. It's one of my dreams is to be a Coral Reefer band, a uh, member of the Coral Reefer band, even if it was only for a night. Like I said, they performed on stage and Buffett is always checking out the team practices. And, uh, and this week it's going to be pretty cool. This Sunday he's going to be singing the national anthem. So I know we have parrot heads who listen. I'm a big parrot head. So on Sunday, I'm going to be loving life before the game seeing Jimmy Buffett singing the National Anthem at the Superdome. And and there's something about old white people that watch football that just love Jimmy Buffett. I guess I'm a little younger. I'm only 20. Uh, But then again, I got my love from Jimmy Buffett from an old white man who is my dad. So football and Jimmy Buffett just should go hand in hand, especially when you're talking about New Orleans. That game at 2.05, and I'm excited. And, And like I said, if you're bummed out about the snow today, you drive home from work, you're on your way home, just throw on some Jimmy Buffett. Just take you somewhere warmer. That's what I'm doing in the studio. I'm having a good time. Uh, A quick reminder, tomorrow, get out to Features in Holman. If if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, first of all, you can get a great meal, get great drink specials tomorrow. We're giving away a bunch of stuff, and you can meet Dave and Scrady. They're celebrating their second anniversary of working together, and they are the embodiment of an odd couple. 
that you would never expect. Uh, Dave and Scrady both going to be there. I'm going to be there for a while as well. I want to meet some of our listeners and say hello. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and if you want to come out, like I said, Scrady doesn't get out in public very often. So when he does, take advantage of it. We'll be there from 4 to 6 tomorrow. Get some food. Get some drinks. We're giving away a bunch of stuff. T-shirts, can koozies. And then there are actually two uh, licensed Packers uh, collectors edition footballs. Uh, commemorating their 100th year, which was obviously this season. You would have liked it to end a little bit different, but the footballs are cool nonetheless, and they're a cool collector's item. So if you're a diehard Packers fan and you want some cool uh, you want some cool garb for your, your man cave or your, your bedroom, uh, probably ask your wife or husband's permission before hanging up a big flashy Packers thing. I, I would imagine that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably a good idea. Come out, we're giving them away. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I've been checking out Twitter and I've been listening to Dave and Scrady this week. What's going on in their morning show? They've been given relationship advice, I see. They're asking about rock music. I know Scrady and Dave were talking about uh, whether husbands should, or prospective husbands, should ask the wife's father permission to to marry her first, if that's still a thing. So that show has been all over the place this week. Uh, and speaking of relationships. So when your significant other, Green Bay Packer football, get some relationship advice from Dave and Scrady tomorrow. It features from 4 to 6 and help us celebrate their second anniversary of working together as well. Plus, I want to meet people too. Talk to Jason uh, and a couple other of our listeners, and, and I want to get together and have a good time tomorrow. So features in Holman from 4 to 6. We were talking about both the championship games. You can hear them both on WKTY this weekend. Rams and Saints at 205, Patriots and Chiefs at 540. We talked earlier on the show. If you missed it, go to WKTYsports.com. You can re-listen to the podcast. I think it's better for the Packers, for the Saints to lose. I think it's better for Aaron Rodgers, for Drew Brees to lose. I said anybody can win one Super Bowl, for the most part. They're obviously Nate Peterman-type exceptions, but anyone can win one. It takes a lot to get paid, probably lose that, that hunger for a championship that you had one, and then come back and do it again. And Joe Flacco's won one. Drew Brees has won one. Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan was close. I think if Drew Brees gets his second, the the conversation and the hierarchy of quarterbacks for this era changes a little bit. I'm not saying Drew Brees is going to pass Aaron Rodgers, um, and and I wouldn't say so, but it definitely makes the conversation a little bit more complicated. So if you're worried about Aaron Rodgers' legacy, that's uh, that's my biggest worry this weekend. Cheer for the Saints to lose. It also helps the Packers draft stock. Uh, The Rams, if they win, I I think it changes the landscape of the NFL, to be honest. I, I think they prove that Get a quarterback on their rookie deal and go absolutely hog wild in free agency. Not a piece or two, but completely stack your team as much as you can in the secondary, in your pass rush, on your D-line, in your wide receivers. Bring in as many people as you can and go for it in that two to three year window. And that's what they're doing. I think if the Rams come out on top, it changes the landscape a little bit. It changes how people might approach trying to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, if he wins another one, I honestly don't think it affects a damn thing. He already has five. The discrepancy between Rodgers and Brady is already five to one. I don't think one more making it six to one changes things at all. So I don't want to see the Patriots win it, but that might be the most manila, the most, uh, the least impactful result of the next two weeks. And I think if the Chiefs win and Mahomes is able to do it, as I said earlier, I think it is a turning point for the NFL. I think it is saying gone and on their way out are the likes of Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. And we are now ushering in Andrew Luck, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. It's all about the new generation and there will be a changing of the guard. That's how I think it's going to be read if the Chiefs win it. So I think there's a very different result and a very different perspective depending on which one of these four teams uh, wins the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, it's a Super Bowl. This week, we just have the conference championship games, but that is ultimately a stepping stone to the to the goal, which is the Super Bowl. So we'll talk about that. I'm excited Jimmy Buffett's going to be singing the, the, uh, the national anthem for the Saints game. Parrotheads, you should be excited. 
This is one moment where we can come out of the shadows and be part of mainstream culture. So look forward to that on Sunday as well. What a good week we had on the Wisco Sports Show. We covered a little bit of everything from local high school basketball to UWL sports to the Packers to the Brewers to the Badgers to the Bucks. I think we hit just about everything. So uh, because of that, let's give ourselves a round of applause for being the most diverse, well-rounded, best show here in lacrosse, at least at this time. I don't want to compete with Dave and Scrady. Nobody can live up to that. But thanks for tuning in this week. We'll be back on Monday, same time, same place. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you then.